Welcome to the Turn on the Jets podcast this week. We've got a very special treat for you. Star wide receiver of the New York Jets, Quincy Inunua, able to give Joe Caparoso a couple of minutes. So you're going to hear that interview in just a bit. But first, let me tell you real quick about what else we have going on at Turn on the Jets Digital. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And you can listen to me Fridays on my podcast, the Play Like a Jet podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes right now. You can get it at TurnOnTheJets.com or anywhere else where a podcast can be downloaded. And this week, it's part four of our in-depth discussion with the great Albert Breer of SI and MMQB on his fantastic article about the Jets' three-year journey to hopefully get their franchise quarterback. It's called The Road to Sam Darnold. Albert was granted access to the Jets' key decision makers, everybody from Ryan Himmerdinger all the way up to Mike McCagnin, and he chronicled everything that went on over the past three years in the Jets' quarterback search that ended up in the acquisition of Sam Darnold this past April in the NFL Draft. The series has been outstanding so far, and this week you're going to hear a lot more, including just how far the Jets were willing to go to get Kirk Cousins, how their plan B came together, what Mike McCagnin thought after he watched Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen play against each other, and much, much more. So go ahead and subscribe right now on iTunes and make sure you don't miss it on Friday. Don't miss the other great podcasts that turn on the Jets digital right now either, including what I'm calling 8 Minutes of Intel. It's Know Your Foe, Michael Nania giving you some facts on the Jets' 2018 second-half opponents. This is all leading up to the debut of the show Know Your Foe, the week of the Jets' first preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons. He'll give you an in-depth look at the Jets' competition each week throughout the season. And Joe Blewett debuted the brand-new podcast, TOJ Film Room. Follow him on Twitter at JoeRB31, or you can get it at TurnOnTheJets.com or anywhere else where podcasts can be downloaded, and YouTube. This is the only Jets podcast that does extensive film breakdowns. I was the first guest on the show co-hosting with Joe this week. It was fantastic. I always love talking to Joe, and I love hearing him break down films. So go ahead and download that right now. In case you missed it, the legend, Ira from Staten Island, is going to be joining Turn On The Jets Digital's podcast network. He's going to have his own show coming up sometime within the next couple of weeks. You'll have the opportunity to ask him questions, hear his thoughts, some of his classic stories, and so much more. Plenty of details to come, but I'm really excited to have this legend of the New York Airwaves as part of our team. Speaking of being part of our team, there's no bigger part of our team than the boss himself, Mr. Joe Caparoso. He's got Quincy Inunua on as his guest this week, so let's get right to it. Here's the flagship show. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host. Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we are joined by New York Jets wide receiver Quincy Inua, longtime favorite of the website. Uh, we're going to get to that interview right around the 9-10 minute mark of this podcast. Going to work through uh, quick PSAs and uh, also briefly talk about an article we wrote over the weekend uh, on the New York Jets being ranked as the 32nd overall offensive arsenal in the NFL with their skill position group. Leads well into our discussion with one of those wide receivers that we wrote about over the weekend. Before we get into all that, 
want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Razor Sport, R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Make sure to check out their website, join the members section. Sports gambling is now legal in New Jersey. They got a shiny new facility up outside of MetLife. Uh, you go over there, put in some bets, but you gotta, you know, you gotta think before you do these things. So you follow Razor Sport on Twitter at Razor Sport Club. You go to the website r a z e r s p o r t dot com. You give a listen to our podcast a few episodes ago, featuring John Razor when he talks about the best bets for the 2018 NFL season. And you also check out the article that I wrote a little earlier this week on four wagers around the 2018 New York Jets. Uh, next week on the podcast, we'll be announcing a new sponsor and partner of the pod, uh, so stay tuned for that. We're going to be kicking off more specific things and working with them in early August, but uh, we'll announce it a little early on next week's episode. Uh, quick other reminders, please subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes. We just passed 200 ratings, so really appreciate everybody's support there. Also, make sure to check out our other podcasts in network. Want to give a special shout-out to the TOJ Film Room, hosted by Joe Blewett, which launched on our YouTube channel, which is Turn on the Jets uh, TV on YouTube. So if you search that, again, it's youtube.com slash TV. You'll be able to find the video uh, that goes with the audio of those episodes, which is Joe breaking down film around the New York Jets. The audio is also available on Podbean, and we'll have it on iTunes soon once he gets a couple episodes out. Of course, make sure to check out Play Like a Jet, hosted by Scott Mason. He's currently working through an interview with Albert Breer on the Jets' process of acquiring Sam Darnold. It's been a really good listen, uh, so subscribe to Play Like a Jet. Give it a rating. All of our other podcasts are uh, still pushing out content, and once we hit training camp preseason and the regular season, we'll be in a nice routine of about six to eight shows a week as it's shaking out right now so plenty of listening material on what should be an exciting season for the Jets only other PSA is we're about 20 followers away from a thousand on Instagram so you know we've been messing around with some videos and some memes on the account just trying to get our following up once we get into the routine of the season we'll be doing much more consistent coverage there answering questions on Instagram live doing stories from practices so give us a follow on Instagram that's turn on the Jets underscore IG so before we jump into our interview with Quincy Inouye, uh, we're going to touch on a range of issues. We talk about uh, how he initially got into getting playing time for this team in 2015, how his role evolved in 2016, uh, how difficult it was for him to sit out last season, who the best cornerback was he's ever faced in the NFL, uh, what his favorite moment has ever been so far in the NFL, and what he thinks of uh, Jeremy Bates' offense so far. Hit on a wide range of topics uh, with him. want to talk a little bit for a few minutes. It's about an article I wrote over the weekend. It was in response to an article Bill Barnrell, uh, VSPN, wrote that ranked the Jets dead last in the NFL when it came to offensive supporting cast. So basically, they're a group of receivers, running backs, and tight ends. And this hasn't really been an uncommon talking point uh, this offseason. There's been plenty of other rankings that have had the Jets somewhere either last or near dead last uh, when it comes to these positional groups. And I think what's been a consistent thing in talking about how these guys are valued and evaluated is that they um, there seems to be a disconnect on the value of players like a Robbie Anderson, like a Quincy Inouye, and a Bilal Powell. And I think what happens with the Jets is that when you're bad for a prolonged period of time, and the Jets are 
five and twenty-two over the past two years, back-to-back five and eleven seasons. It's easy to kind of fall off the grid a little bit and uh, not get the necessary attention from the different national media outlets. And look, if you're not following the team day to day, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inouye, Bilal Powell aren't necessarily household names. I don't think you'd necessarily be aware of some of the production that the Jets have had out of this overall group. As it stands right now, the Jets are the only team in the NFL with four wide receivers on their team who have at least one 800-yard season on their resume. Robbie Anderson was over 900 yards last season despite Bryce Petty starting multiple games and Josh McCown being the quarterback for the rest of them. Uh, you look at Quincy Anua in 2016, he was over 800 yards with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Bryce Petty throwing to him. Two years ago, Terrell Pryor, over 1,000 yards. Jermaine Curse coming off a career year, still only 28 years old, had uh, about 850 yards last season, I think, again with McCown and Petty throwing to him. So I think people forget that while 800 yards might sort of be like a random marker, and that was one of the comments that Barnwell had made back to me, the guys that he cited back as not being very good receivers and passing that mark were all playing with far superior quarterbacks. So you put out a guy like Dontrell Inman, he's playing with Phillip Rivers, and he's playing opposite Keenan Allen. You know, Quincy Inouye was playing opposite of banged-up Brandon Marshall in 2016. Robbie Anderson was playing only opposite of Jermaine Curse last year and had Josh McCown and Bryce Petty to him and still was able to exceed those numbers. So I think when you look at the production those guys have had, considering fairly weak supporting casts were around them and not having top 8, top 10, or even really top 15 quarterback play, I think there's reason to be optimistic about that receiver group, particularly when you look at the the age and the size speed dimensions of those top four guys on the depth chart, never mind if the Jets ultimately do get something out of a guy like Chad Hansen or a guy like Ardarius Stewart or anyone else on the bottom half of the depth chart. At running back with Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell, Powell, his usage has obviously been inconsistent over the past three years, but when given the opportunity, he's been one of the more productive backs on a per-carry basis in the NFL. When you look at what he's done when he's had at least 19 carries in a game going over the past two seasons, all four games, well over, I think, 120 yards, he had the second-highest yards per carry in the NFL in 2016 on all backs over 100 yards. He had the top breakaway percentage of all backs, according to PFF, in the NFL last year. Then you add Isaiah Crowell on what is basically a glorified one-year deal, a guy who's been up over 700 yards each of the past few years, uh, does not have a massive yards per carry, but has been productive. And then when you look at some other teams' depth chart, even just in the division at running back, the fact that the Jets have a pair of guys who over the past two years have ranked in the top 10 uh, in yards per carry, when you look at guys who have over, uh, over 300 total carries, to have both of them and a guy like Elijah McGuire, who is over 400 offensive yards as a rookie, and Thomas Rawls as sort of a flyer, I think the depth and rounded out talent is a little bit better than they're getting credit for it. Tight end, look, on paper, you can make a fair argument it's the worst unit in the league. The Jets are basically going to be counting on Eric Tomlinson to handle the blocking, and he's fine in that role. But outside of that, you're basically looking at two rookies in Jordan Leggett and Chris Herndon. Leggett didn't play at all last year in his true rookie season. And then maybe some other you know veteran cast-offs and Clive Warford or, or Bucky Hodges or Neil Sterling trying to make an impact. So that position, I think you can make a valid argument. Although, if Inouye is going to go back to playing some of that H-back role, it eliminates 
it's that much of a need of the tight end position. So wrote it on Sunday. It's called uh, the New York Jets underrated skill position group. Give that a read. Give Bill Barnwell's read uh, article a read that argued the opposite side of it. We had a you know a good civil back and forth on Twitter on it uh, where we di- agreed to disagree on the potential talent of guys like Anderson and Nua who we're about to talk to now in Bilal Powell. All that can be found at TurnOnTheJets.com. Also, make sure to give me a follow on Twitter, at Jay Caparoso. And we are now joined by this week's guest, number 81 for the New York Jets, longtime favorite of Turn On The Jets, Quincy Anua. Quincy, thank you for uh, taking the time to join us this week. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Absolutely. So... I want to start back in uh, 2015 when you really first stepped into a lot of playing time for the Jets after your rookie year. You were in a group of receivers along with Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, but you still found your way onto the field into a pretty big role, but I think it was pretty unique. You were doing a lot of lining up a little closer to the set, almost functioning sometimes as kind of like an H-back, tight end hybrid. How was that role sort of teed up to you by Chan Gailey at the time, and how did you approach it uh, after not getting much playing time as a rookie and then becoming a really key part of an offense that was one of the better offenses in the NFL that year? Uh, Yeah, I think for myself it was just kind of – a great opportunity for me, and I looked at it as that, you know, it wasn't really what I was used to, but I knew that, like, any way I could get on the field, I was going to take advantage of it. And, uh, you know, we had Brandon and Decker, so I knew, like, those traditional spots weren't going to be open for me. So that, okay, well, this is my opportunity to get on the field and show what I can do in another facet of the game. Moving forward into 2016, uh, Decker gets hurt. Marshall even gets a little banged up as the season goes on. You move probably into what it's more of a traditional wide receiver role, playing a little more outside the numbers where you definitely had some success. What did you learn from 2015 and then in 2016 from a guy like Brandon Marshall who has kind of a similar build to you and a physical style of play? How did working with him and playing with him sort of help develop your game into more of a traditional receiver role that season? Uh, yeah, I think in the beginning it kind of took off a lot of the pressure, just knowing that he was there and he was going to get a lot of attention. And as the season went on, you know, I got a lot more confidence uh, in myself, uh, making plays. You know, defenses were kind of keying on me, and I could see that. Uh, and, you know, just knowing that, you know, coming in as a young guy, knowing that, you know, you're uh, a personal focus for the other team, it gives you a lot more uh, confidence. Looking back at last year, obviously you were coming off a, a bit of a breakout year after 2016. We're up over 100, uh, 800 yards receiving, you know, increased your touchdown total. You have the, the injury in training camp. Have you ever missed that amount of time in your football career previously with an injury? And how difficult was it last season to have to basically watch from the sideline, you know, with that new offense and with some new young parts uh, taking a bigger role offensively? Yeah, I, honestly, I've never, ever uh, missed that amount of time. So it was the hardest thing for me. I think, uh, you know, I don't think I've ever had to experience anything that tough in sports. So it really kind of grew me as a person and as a player. Then watching the offense, you know, I was really looking forward to being able to play in that offense. So it was hard. Uh, you know, sometimes I didn't watch the games, but, uh, you know, I would watch the film afterwards to kind of see, like, what kind of routes guys are running and how successful the offense was. And it just kind of grew my, uh, my, uh, Impatience, I guess you could say, uh, to want to play in it. So I'm looking forward to playing in it this year. 
All right, so for this year's offense, you're going to be Jeremy Bates is a new offensive coordinator. We didn't get to see you play in John Morton's offense last year. What what can we expect from you in terms of a role, and what have you noticed about Coach Bates so far? He's a guy who hasn't been an offensive coordinator in a while, but there's a lot of positive you know reviews around the league about him. What what can you say about his offense so far? Yeah, I think the offense uh, looks great. I'm actually looking forward to playing in it. It'll be an opportunity to do kind of related to what I was doing last year, or excuse me, two years ago, and, uh, you know, kind of show the world exactly what I believe I can do on the field. Even though you're, you know, a young player, you're probably one of the longest tenured guys on the offensive side of the football. Do you see yourself taking more of a leadership role uh, on the offense, and particularly within that receiver room, as you've now been around this team for longer than most people that you're going to be surrounded by in this offense? Yeah, I definitely look forward to get getting an opportunity to do that. I know that the guys that have kind of like set themselves in as leaders, so I'm not scared to step on any toes. You know, missing a year old, it's definitely a new team, new players, uh, you know, new faces. So uh, for, my, for me right now, it's just about making sure I'm doing all the right things and stepping in when I can to say what I can when I need to. How do you feel when you see different pundits or national media analysts around the league question? the group of skill position players that you guys have. You know, Robbie Anderson had a lot of success last year. You had a lot of success two years ago. How confident are you guys internally on the group you have? And, and do you guys, are you guys keeping an eye on the different people who are saying, hey, the Jets, you know, yeah, they drafted a new quarterback, but they don't have any weapons for him to, uh, you know, utilize. How do you, do you guys use that type of stuff as motivation? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's myself and saying that uh, I definitely do. Um, you know, especially because I already have some motivation to come back healthy. Uh, so to see stuff like that, it's like, you know, all he's doing is really feeling the fire. I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back and proving everybody wrong. Uh, and I just think for first uh, in the same way. You know, I think both of us, the dogs, kind of just came to get that out there and play our game and show the world that, you know, we're capable of doing this and doing it at a high level. All right, a couple quick uh, rap- rapid-fire questions here before we let you go with up to this point in your career, who would you say is the best cornerback or the toughest cornerback that you've won against uh, so far? Uh, honestly, the, the toughest cornerback I've gone against would have to be Regis. You know, I, I know everybody wants me to say something outside of practice, but you know, going against him for two years uh, really made me a better player and kind of just helped me realize you know, what my weaknesses were and what I can be better at. And I think that really made me a better receiver overall. To this point in your career, do you have a particular play or a particular game that stands out to you as a favorite memory so far? You know, you've had a couple big catches in big spots, a couple of, you know, definitely highlight real touchdowns, but is there a particular play, game, or moment that really sticks out to you so far as your favorite? Uh, I'd have to say probably three years ago, there's a picture, uh, you know, we went into overtime and I made a big play, and the reason why is just because you know, it's just me coming back from adversity, you know, missing that pass and coming back and helping us win that game. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to describe, like, how I was feeling after that catch. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely my, my most prized moment so far. Is there a particular player that, and it could be someone you played with, it could be someone you watched growing up, that you sort of model your game after? Are there different parts from different players that you try to model and learn from since you play such sort of a unique role on offense where you move around the formation so much? Is there any guys who kind of jump off the page as people that you try to model your game after? 
uh, I wouldn't say there's any one player or any group. I think I mean, I just like to watch everybody. You know, anybody successful, I try to pick off what I can. It's hard because, you know, you can't really do what everybody does. But I try to make it my own anytime that I can. This year, you guys signed Teddy Bridgewater. You draft Sam Darnold. Josh McCown coming back. You didn't get to play with him last year, although you guys got to practice together. Is this the best you've ever felt about your quarterback room? And in the early chances you've had to meet him, Jet fans are you know, definitely excited about Darnold. What are your early impressions on Darnold and on the quarterback room overall? Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the room. I think we've got a lot of talent in there. Not to say that we haven't had a lot of talent before, but I think that this one is just the most uh, seasoned and focused. Uh, you know, these guys are ready to go. Um, it's going to be a great competition. And uh, Sam's looking good, too. I think all three of them are just, you know, playing at a high level. And they know there's a lot at stake. And so, uh, you know, they're really playing at the best right now. <clears throat> Is there a player on the Jets' offense? When we when we talk about, you know, the names associated, you know, you, Anderson, the quarterbacks come up. Is there a player, whether it's a running back or a tight end, somebody who you think has the potential to really kind of take a big step forward this year who not a lot of fans or analysts are talking about, someone who you've seen, you know, on the practice field who you think might be ready to kind of come out of nowhere and seize a bigger role in the offense? Um, that's hard because I think I can make a few guys. I think, you know, one guy that people have been talking about is Chad. And for me, you know, I'm happy to see him grow because when he first got here, to see where he's at now and to know that, like, you know, I was trying to gain his ear a few times and tell him a few things and now it's really coming out. So I'm excited to see what he's going to put on the field. All right, before we let you go, anything that you're working on off the field that you want to call attention to? Anything the fans in particular should check out that you have uh, going on right now? Uh, not right now. I'm actually uh, just getting ready for the season. Um, but, uh, you know, if anything comes up, I'll definitely put it on my social media. Absolutely. All right, Quincy Nua, thank you again for joining us. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll be rooting for you this season. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.